Brad Slater here with Zachary Adams. Hello. And uh, Scott McKeefer. Professional podcasting beer reviewer. Yeah. Professional. <laughs> I don't want to say professional. I think we're, uh, we're we've definitely... We've made one we've, cent yeah. we're definitely of our ads. We've, master. We've made a few pennies. So, I mean, we're, we're, we've made it. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to quit my job right now. <laughs> Retire. Move to Boca. All right. So, um, this week we have... Um, in my humble opinion, a very special treat. Um, we've got one of my homebrewed beers in front of us. Uh, this is a Smash IPA. Smash. And what Smash means uh-huh. is... We all know what Smash means. means. body once. <laughs> uh, it stands for a single malt and single hop. So normally with beer, you've got like a bunch of different malted grains in uh-huh. there, a bunch of different kinds of hops. But for this one, just one malt and one hop. And that's Vienna and Citra. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, so I hope y'all enjoy it. All right, ready? Dig in. <laughs> yeah, this came off my kegerator, so we don't have any fantastical bottle opening or can opening sounds this, this week. Oh, God, Brad, that tastes terrible. <laughs> no, That's really good. That's actually delicious. Thank you. So this week, we're going to do something that we've never done before on this beer podcast. Let's talk about beer? Yeah. <laughs> Are we really going to talk about beer today? Yeah, yeah. the topic's beer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty pretty wild, huh? It is wild, man. I never thought we would ever reach this day. Well, so I guess we should preface with you actually, I guess, took the first part of becoming a beer judge. Yeah. So um, there's an organization called the BJCP, the Beer Judge Certification Program. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they are responsible for um, keeping up, like, well, I wouldn't say they're responsible. What they do is they keep a you know comprehensive guide of styles for beers, and it's basically like the most comprehensive way that you can figure out like you know oh you know what is an IPA supposed to smell like? What is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to taste like? Well, these style guidelines you know tell you exactly that, and they're kind of the go-to authority for that for the world. Like you know whenever somebody's trying to figure out you know what does this style of beer taste like, you know they're going to go look at that guide, right? And they also facilitate. Um, beer competitions around the world whether it be homebrew or uh commercial um it's the way that you get certified to become a judge for one of those competitions so i've taken the first step to do that the first step was taking a 180 question online exam in 60 minutes nice yeah it was pretty wild and it's um to, to raise the stakes even more it's pass or fail oh nice so there's no uh hey you, you almost had it there champ. yeah exactly um the the passing score is only a 65% though so at least there's that There you go. That's, D's get degrees. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> um but yeah, so the next step there is taking a tasting exam which is um they give you six beers to taste in 90 minutes and you have to, you know, demonstrate that you know how to pick out the correct flavors, appearance and all that kind of stuff and match it up with these styles. The the hard part there is it's closed book. You have uh-huh. to you have to know these styles. Like if they tell you it's um you know it's a, a Belgian triple, you got to know what that's supposed to smell, look, and taste like. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Like you know, it can't be like oh, let me just you know reference the guidelines. No, you gotta you gotta know. And there's also possibility of them throwing in off flavors. That's exactly right. Yeah. So they'll they're gonna they'll probably most likely take one of the beers and put an off flavor in there. And like what that could be is um. Like diacetyl, which is, you know, butter flavor. They're going to take some artificial butter and, you know, put it into the beer. Or they're going to go let it sit out in the sun and get all skunked up. Or, like, you know, different things like that. And then, like, another curveball they can throw at you is miscategorization, where they're going to tell you that, like, oh, this is an IPA, but it's actually, like, you know, a light lager. Yeah, I think that would be pretty noticeable. That that would not <laughs> well, be a hard question. <laughs> but like what uh, when I was talking to Scott about this a little bit earlier, I was reading about somebody's experience of you know going through the exam, and he said what they did to him as like that miscategorization is they they told him it was an IPA, but they gave him an imperial IPA, which um, that's a little bit harder to discern that you know you're not drinking the right style. Mm. Like you know, there's a little bit more alcohol, there's a little bit more hop character, but. With an IPA, if someone just told you it's an IPA, it's easy right. to like miss those kind of cues. Mm-hmm. Especially on IPAs, I feel okay. like that's one of those things where it it, it is it is difficult to uh, kind of recognize some of those negative uh, notes that you're trying to look for whenever you're you're being a, a judge of a sort. Um, 
I mean, I think that's we've talked about that before too. I think that's why a lot of craft brewers like to go through and do IPAs because you you can't fuck it up as 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 easily. You know? Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's definitely one of the. I don't want to knock IPAs because there's definitely some like amazing IPAs out there. Of course, but of you course. know, it's one of the easier styles I would say to brew because you know, like you said, it's easy to cover cover up any of those mistakes you make with you know, just add more hops. Right, exactly, <laughs> and the, and you know, the same can be said about. Um, extremely dark stouts and uh, things of that nature too. To a it's, certain degree, yeah. I, I think the most, the biggest learning experience that I've ever had, excuse me, personally, was um, whenever we did the uh, uh, Mexican lager because it really showed us, um, you know, firsthand how easy it is to taste imperfections in a beer that is as light as, say, a lager. Yeah, yeah. Because when yeah we tasted that beer, like. Uh, it might have been before we carbonated it, but I felt like there was a pretty glaring off flavor to me at least. But uh-huh. um, you had brought some back like a month later, yeah, and yeah. It, it thankfully had cleared up. Yeah, and that was that was the interesting thing too is that there was so much change in the flavor from before we had set it aside to be carbonated versus whenever we actually had it carbonated and had been in the bottle. For a month in the fridge, yeah, um, and that's that. That was definitely a very interesting thing, right there. I mean, as we've talked about before on the show, you know, especially with loggers, they they have a weird thing about them, you know, where it's and I mean, really, it's any beer, but you know, the reason why uh, you put them into a darker, not 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 necessarily just loggers, but any light beer, you put them behind a uh, a colored or like an amber dark glass, just so that. It doesn't skunk because of the light. Right. You know, um, you have to do that with uh, those loggers. And, you know. I was actually drinking a um, Oktoberfest just the other night this week. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. From Spaten, which is a brewery in Munich, Germany. It's probably like one of the most prolific breweries for Oktoberfest. It's one of the ones that, you know, provides, you know, what you'd be drinking at Munich's Oktoberfest. That's what they usually have at the Oktoberfest, actually. It's either them or Palner yeah. over at the uh, the Denton Fry it's Street Oktoberfest. Definitely one of the most well known. Uh, German breweries, um, but the, the Oktoberfest that I had was in a green bottle, and maybe I don't want to put this on the brewery. Maybe it was mishandled during transport, but it was skunked. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's actually really interesting to hear, mm-hmm. especially from a brewery like Spaten. Yeah. I was watching a video yesterday about some of the oldest uh, companies actually in the world, and there's another uh, brewery out there that a lot of people I can't think of the name right now. I'm wondering if you can kind of clear it up i think it'd be cool i mean this is a, definitely a dream to go over to germany for the cast but i mean mm-hmm. um one of the oldest companies in the world is actually a brewery based out of uh germany and they are basically like the mecca for loggers in german beers um over there in germany and well, the oldest operating brewery is weinstefaner um Stefaner. they might make the, the yes i think that might be it that sounds familiar yeah they might make the loggers that you're talking about what i know them best for is one of the best hefeweizens i've had yes yes and that's the other thing too is hefeweizens are are very much so similar to loggers in my opinion in, in regards to its lightness they were established in 1040 1040 that's wow. exactly <laughs> what i was hearing on the uh, on the video i was the watching year 1040 well, and that that's that's one of those Something things that I feel right. is uh <laughs> that's a good song. Uh, the uh that's something that I think that the Germans kind of do a lot with a lot of their beers cuz you have you have the Oktoberfest styles. Now, I'm going to I'm going to be blanking on a lot of beers that come from there cuz I'm feeling a little slow today, but you have the the Oktoberfest beers. You have lagers which traditionally came from over in that area. You got a lot of breweries that make that kind of style. Um, and then you have like the ones that make like the Hefeweizen, which is, you know, that's, that's definitely like kind of a trademark that you always see come out of, you know, uh, German breweries. Mm-hmm. And all of those are relatively light beers with the heaviest being, of course, the, uh, oh, and whip beers. Whip beers is another one too. Yeah. That would be. Well, no, whip beer is actually a Belgian style. That's a Belgian style. Mm-hmm. Okay. My bad. Um, but even with just those three right there, those are all pretty light stylings. And it's, it goes to show that those, those, um, uh, breweries out there are so good at their craft, and I mean they're world renowned, and it's because they can keep that consistency throughout all of their um, out of all their styles. And yeah. I think that has something to do with you know the laws that are in place, the Purity Act, um, their the, meticulous the, the, nature that they have. Oh, the oh, what is it called? The right? The, it starts with an R. Let me look this up. The the specific German law around beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see where it's it's just one of those things where if you're 
if you're not a macro brewer or if you are not from a area that you know has like germany where if you you can go to those breweries and you can you know learn how to brew from some of those masters if you're you know very if you're fortunate enough uh um, i can't pronounce that they uh you, you just have to you can't expect necessarily all too much out of craft breweries to be able to reach that same level of craftsmanship when it comes to those lighter beers for sure. For so sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to go along a little bit longer. No, <laughs> I, I started running out of steam there. <laughs> uh, so like uh, another article that um, I had actually found like right before, well, not right before, but a little bit before I shared it with you guys on mm-hmm. Slack, which thankfully like I was like, okay, I know I want to talk about beer today, but I don't really know what I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are we pivoting into the new styles? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. so an article came out um, about the six new beer styles of 2018. Very so, exciting news. Yeah. So what we were talking about at, um, about with like the at the beginning with like the beer judge certification program. Um, recently at the National Homebrew Conference, the president of the BJCP came out and uh, was saying that there are six new beer styles that are um, now w- what they call provisional styles. Mm-hmm. So what it basically means is that they're recognized, um, they can be used in competitions, but they're not going to be a part of the official style guidelines until they do another um, revision of that, which since the most recent revision was in 2015, they only do one about every five to 10 years. So it's going to be a while before we, um, well, maybe by 2020, yeah, 2020, more. maybe if they feel like enough has changed, but so we've got six new beer styles. And the first one that pops up is something that we've talked, I think a little <sighs> bit about on the show is new England IPAs. <laughs> oh, I, I, I got excited for the other. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that, but, um, new England IPAs, which, um, I mean, I've definitely talked about, well, I, I and think, it's a popular style that's kind yeah, of popping up because they have popular. it over at uh, at, over at uh, uh, Al- or Armadillo. Yeah. It's one of their in-house taproom specials, and it's actually a pretty popular one that we've ordered um, in the past. See, that's why I would make my argument that they might try to do it quicker than later just because new – I mean, when you go – like IP – I don't know. I feel like IPAs in general isn't that like the fate or the, the craze right now is to go and get an IPA. Yeah, mm-hmm. and – I'm going to counter that and say that I don't think they'll have to rush too much because the official style guidelines right now for 2015 already include a provision for New England IPA. It's like this will be like its own style, but right now they have official wording for it under specialty IPA in the current okay. style guidelines. So like, you know, they already kind of talk about it. It's just not its own complete style. It's like, like, a so special would it style. be a subcategory? Well, like a subcategory is like, American IPA. So the oh, subcategory okay. is going to be specialty IPA. And then I think New England IPA is like an even more specialization off of that. Okay. Because <laughs> there's like, if I remember correctly, there's like New England IPA. Um, you know, I have, I have the app. I can just look this up. Do it. So IPA. Yeah. Indian Pale Ale. Yeah. It's because they add a bunch of hops whenever they ship it to keep it from going bad. Yeah, so 21B, 21B is the specialty IPA category, and they have Belgian IPAs, black IPAs, brown, red, rye, white, and New England. What the hmm. hell? <laughs> so Have what, we had what, a rye IPA? We have not. No, absolutely not. But what this is basically saying is that New England IPA is getting so popular it's going to break out of that little specialty shell with all of those others. Interesting. And become its own styling separate from IPAs? Mm-hmm. Well, not separate from my, oh, it'll be an IPA, but like, because you've got, because like, even in there, um, you've like under the IPA style, there's American IPA and then specialty IPA with all the other different smaller subcategories. Gotcha. 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 Hmm. So moving on from there, I guess, um, the next style is a grisette, which we've never had, but I know Scott, I was interested in it because, uh, I guess it's like a seasonal version of, uh, green belt which is a what is the word it farmhouse says? ale well it's a farmhouse season but a season is like the uh i don't yeah. know what you would classify that essentially as. a session version of a saison ale with wheat i mean saison is i guess kind of the broader family of what farmhouse ale falls under okay because uh, saisons are basically just like they're not full-on sour beers but they have like a they're like a sour with hoppy in it yeah kind of it's it's a it's kind of a gentle sour and basically because they're using um a more 
Wild. sourish bacteria mm-hmm. with the yeast that they ferment with. I, I mean, I guess I would have never pinned myself as someone who likes sour beers, but for some reason, I've, I've tended to go towards them in in my experience of finding craft beers. I've, I've just learned to really like them. Did you try the sour I had when we were at your bachelor party? Yes. You liked that? And I liked yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, and I like- had even gotten like... What, was it like the Martin House Sour or something like that? Are you talking about the Ghost Three that you shared with him at his uh, at his bachelor party? It was one of the Ghost beers. I think it was Ghost Three because I would love that too. That really red sour one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with you though, Scott. Man, I mean it's 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 like I think some for some people like to have a light beer and then they have you know. They kind of go on on a on their own path. You can you can kind of like any kind of, of beer that you want. You can enjoy all the styles, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like maybe some people may lean more towards you know the dark stout side, or some people might lean more towards that you know uh, sour side, or they'll lean more towards the traditional mm-hmm. hoppy IPA side. I personally am the same, where I enjoy a good sour. I mean, one of my favorites that came about this summer was um, Armadillo's uh, Tropical Sour, where they do a what 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 weird tropical fruit is that that they have? Uh, guava. They do a guava hmm. with it. I don't really remember that one too much. I don't know if I actually. No, I did try it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. It's it's one of those that's a little bit different for sure. Um, but it I it it was definitely a sour. It was clearly in a hundred percent a sour with a little bit of a fruity note to it. And that was, you know, sours have that that distinct taste. Okay, mm-hmm. just like an IPA has a distinct taste of being hoppy, and then it's got an accent or a note on it. Same goes for like stouts and stuff. You know, you have that initial stout, like you know it's a stout, mm-hmm. and then you have chocolate or you have like coffee on mm-hmm. top of it or something nice like that. And roasty, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I think we definitely need to do um, in an upcoming cast is get a uh, a Belgian lambic on here. Mm-hmm. We were kind of talking about what is that exactly? So a lambic is a Belgian sour style that. Um, to actually be called Alambic and sold as such is only from like a 15 mile wide region of Belgium. Um, and most of the ones that you're going to find available are fruit Lambics. So the one that um, I like and coincidentally Karen and her mom really like is a raspberry uh, Lambic. I think we had tried one at one point we uh, a while back. We and it was something that they were drinking and you had a little bit extra in the bottle and we, we had a splash of it. You I'm sure that wasn't like, the wine? Pretty sure, because they had something that was carbonated, too, unless they were drinking bubbly. I don't know. I don't I don't think I've ever served that particular one to you guys, though. Well, anyways, it, it does follow kind of like the similar rules as like how like champagne can only be from Champagne, France. Exactly. And, yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of a false statement. It can also be from California, thanks to the drafts written up in World War II. <laughs> Treaty of Paris. <laughs> Really? Yeah, so basically because France was decimated because of the Nazi invasion, uh, California uh, in America is the only other place where you can have actual it's champagne. Not, it's not California, Poland? Um, so I think it's actually maybe even a couple of places. We'll have to look at the, the – I, I would have to look at exactly how the treaty states, but because champagne France go, was messed up. You'd have to up. go back into the museum and pull up the <laughs> – You know the scene in Lord of the Rings where, like, Gandalf is pouring over all the papers trying to figure out <laughs> – <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm completely serious, man. I was sitting there, and I it blew my mind because I used to have this this argument with uh, Carla trying to figure out, you know, it was like, well, no, because the thing is is that there's this champagne. Is and it sparkling says California. wine or champagne? Well, and that's that's the thing. That is the thing. That's the reason why certain uh, areas of California can can make champagne, even though it's not from actually Champagne, France. Interesting. It's the same reason. Well, the, I guess the law would be similar to how you can't have tequila if it's not from uh, that one place in Mexico. Well, tequila. you can't have a hundred percent de agave blue or blue agave. You can't call it tequila, tequila. if it's uh, you know. Well, it, you can let's, though. Let's go with the best the best example of all. You can't have scotch that's not from Scotland. Yeah. So that's so. You can't have beer Kentucky straight rule. bourbon if it's not from Kentucky. You can't have bourbon if it's not from the United States. Yeah, there's weird rules. I feel like you can make anything anywhere, but well, I mean that's that's the thing. But what what a lot of this is is laws built into like you know. Alcohol, well, but loss. see, it's it's also, but like, like I really want to try like a Japanese 
whiskey, but they also make Japanese scotch. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> I don't. I mean, it's not really scotch though. It's single malt whiskey. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, we had that single malt whiskey at the at Acre Distilling, which. If you, if you ask me, I, uh, I was I, I was thought the only thing I liked there was that. the gin. Yeah, but yeah. I think Brad, oh, you said you didn't like the gin. I, okay, the reason why I didn't like the gin is um, y'all that know me know I have a really severe needle phobia, uh-huh. uh, and for whatever reason, the you didn't know that I knew that, but I'm like trying to piece together okay, how okay, needles um, has to go. The okay, smell. the smell for whatever reason, oh. the smell of that particular gin. Made me think of the alcohol that gets rubbed on you right before that happens. Uh-huh. So like it was, it was a very strange and immediate trigger for me. Uh-huh. It, I was really wasn't expecting it, um, but but I, see, I wish you had, or I wish that hadn't happened for you because it would have just gone to show my, uh, I guess what would you call that, my. My point of that gin is just an interesting version of vodka. And well, here's the thing: it, is it's it like, is? I, I didn't like get rid of it or anything. Like uh-huh. I still drank it. Uh-huh. Um, the flavor was very nice. I just tried as hard as I could not to think about the smell, but the yeah. flavor of it was really good. And I think I've had other gin that I, I didn't have that problem. with. I though. need to get you. There's a like a blue. It's like sort of blue clear gin that Nathaniel really likes, and it's really good gin. Mm-hmm. I need to get some of that for our cast because, like, I I just feel like anyone who's a vodka drinker really should try gin because it's more full and more interesting. And then we had that like London Dry gin here a uh-huh. few times. Ah, yeah. Peters. And I think I was I think I was all right with that one. Yeah. So, but that, that's why I didn't <laughs> particularly like that gin. Acre was good for one thing. I felt more than anything else, and it was those mixed drinks because those were really freaking good. Yeah, I was I will surprised. Because like, I did not like their bourbon. However, the bourbon cocktail that Zach oh had was very good. God, that yeah. was one of the best. It was the the smoking peach or something like something that? Something like smoking that. Smoking peach or smoking peat? Peach. It was, peach. It was a peach okay. kind of fruity yeah. drink. It was like an old-fashioned, but with a little bit more of a fruity flavor to it. And to yeah, be honest with you... the orange. It was, huh. it was just, it was wild, man. It was, it was, it just goes to show that, you know, technically a good bartender can cover up any, uh, bad flavors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but getting back to beer. So, yes. <laughs> um, the next style we have on here is a New Zealand Pilsner, uh-huh. which interesting. Yeah. I thought it was kind of weird just cause you don't really think of New Zealand when you think like beer. Um, but I don't know. Not really much to say about that besides like... What what does it say about it? Okay, so this style can be brewed as either an ale or a lager, which is kind of interesting because a Pilsner is supposed to be a lager. (coughs) Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, And is similar to a German Pils, but is not as crisp and sharp in the finish. Has a softer, maltier balance with slightly more body. Uh, Uh, New Zealand Hmm. Pils utilizes New Zealand hop varieties. Uh, I'm going to butcher all these pronunciations. Motuka, uh, Riwaka, Nelson Savin, etc. You keep playing footsie with me. I, I got him, man. <laughs> Which commonly exhibit notes of tropical fruit, melon, lime, gooseberry, grass, and citrus. So it sounds pretty interesting. It that sounds, sounds like interesting. A, it sounds like a fruity, hoppy version of like a Miller. Technically, you know, Pilsners, anytime I've ever tried to craft Pilsner, they usually keep it a little bit more on the hoppy side. Because and a Pilsner is one of the ones that I definitely go for as a light beer fan myself. Yeah, so like... Traditionally, like a pilsner is supposed to be a hoppier version of a light lager. Mm-hmm. Um, now, most of the macro versions of the pilsner are not as such. They're pretty. They're, they they rival alongside with a lager, like right there on that line. I, I hardly could even consider it a pilsner. Exactly. In my yeah. So, but you're definitely right about the craft ones, though. They're, yeah. They they hit that style a lot. Well, and one of the things that I'd be a little bit afraid about that is that they said that it had a more uh, smooth finish. It wasn't as crisp of a taste. And that's that's one of those things that I kind of take as a staple point of a Pilsner is how hmm. it, it's it, it's like a fine period, a dot at the end of, of every drink that you take. That it's it. called a Pilsner. Pilsner, yeah. That, that hard Pilsner. P right there, you you taste it at the end, man. And that's 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 one of those things where... it's a pill to, <laughs> to get down. Um, so answer me this, Brad or Zach, maybe even. Um, so like wow, in Moscow, well, no, okay. So in Moscow, yes, um, they're using different varieties of agave, and yes. one of agave's 
uh, I guess maybe new, unique features is it will actually pull flavors from things around it. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to a Mascal distiller and she was saying about how there was an apple tree and a small, like maybe like four or five of her plants actually pulled some of the nutrients from the apples, maybe when it was, you know, like pollinating and stuff like that. Yeah. So does that same thing happen with different varieties of um, hops and stuff like that? Or is that how we get different varieties of hops? Yeah, for sure. Um, Because like, you know, when, when hops were first, you know, kind of being grown a lot, it was all into Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, So then when they brought hops over to America and started trying to grow them here, um, because of just the climate of America being different than Europe, that's how they started mutating. And that's how we started getting the, the current American hops we have. Uh, whereas like the ones in Europe are like more floral and earthy. Mm-hmm. The ones we get here in America are much more piney and citrusy and kind of fruity. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. On the, on the topic of, uh, Mescal and, and the agave, plant, uh-huh. though, um, one of the funny things about the agave, uh, there is a one distiller, a story that, that comes to mind in general, uh, he was an American who I don't even think he was trying to distill it. Actually, he he just really loved looking at the uh, agave plant whenever he went to a hacienda uh-huh. over in Mexico. So he goes through and he orders some <laughs> some of these big ass fucking uh-huh. um they they look like yuccas, you know, uh-huh. and brings it on over <laughs> to America. Well, one thing if you're not from the south or from the desert regions, um. Most plants that are desert plants have a unique trait, or tropical plants for that general, where their roots spread out much, much farther than most other trees or bushes or shrubbery plants uh, that are similar to it that are from your local temperate regions. And what it'll do is literally the roots are so thick and dense that it just fucking wrecks everything. (laughs) So he fucking, he plants this thing by his pool. Uh-huh. I'm guessing he must be Texan, is I think what what I was told. Either that, or it was like uh, a New Mexican. And uh, you know, he plants it in his backyard to make it look a little bit more tropically. And uh, about a year or so later, you know, his entire like back pool that he had, you know, perfectly paved, like his backyard, that he spent thousands of dollars on, all wrecked, palm tree <laughs> dead, just all the nutrients sapped away, uh-huh. you know. The entire walkway destroyed, completely uprooted, and then the lining going into his pool just fucking wrecked. And you know it's even harder than having to deal with all that stuff right there, than having to even just transport this plant and plant it is unplanting it and killing it. If you ever, <laughs> and this is testament to my dad, he's been trying to get rid of some yucca plants in his backyard because, you know, everybody thinks that they're pretty, but they've got those super sharp-ass needles on it. Yeah. By his pool, he's been trying to get them yanked out for a while. He has a specific gardener that he goes to. He'll, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I can well, take that. Well, he ought to just, like, turn it into some tequila or mascal, man. Well, this, is, this, is, this specifically is the yucca plant, and, you know, the thing is about those kinds of plants because their root systems run so far and deep and are so tough you know this gardener is like man i'll do anything but i ain't touching that and it's just like well i guess we're holding on to this thing for a while and that's 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 how it works with those 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 hardy plants but that's why we don't have a agave (laughs) here okay so um next style we get on here is burton ale which i like because they have a LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton on a new <laughs> From article. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> yeah, Reading Burton. Rainbow. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. So um, this is popular in Burton, England. Before IPAs were invented and widely exported to the Baltic countries, Burton ales are dark, rich, malty, sweet, and bitter with moderately strong alcohol, full-bodied and chewy with a balanced hoppy finish and a complex malty and hoppy aroma. Dark dried fruit notes accentuate the malty richness while the hops help balance the sweeter finish. Is it me or does it seem like the, there wasn't a coincidence they used, you know, Barton, a uh, a, a black man, to describe a dark <laughs> beer? Like that? Well, to be fair, it's from a place in England called Burton, Burton England. I mean, I'm just saying the picture <laughs> on the article itself is well, just Well, don't very... you think it's a coincidence that they named the town Burton? After the guy on Reading Rainbow, I mean, yeah, that's freaking crazy, man. Dude, that that show's been around forever, man. <laughs> yeah, now this like sounds like I don't know. I've never had something like that, but it definitely sounds like an interesting beer. Well, I mean, I guess that's kind of goes to show that, like, you know, the history of IPAs is like 
this style is very similar to it and it's uh I don't say very similar it's like it'd be like a darker sweeter more bitter oh not more bitter but like I guess less fruity less uh citrus like basically take but an, see it sounds like it's going to have the same bitterness as an IPA yeah though. so like take an IPA take away the smell and uh-huh. make it more malty okay like that's what this sounds like think yeah. I can imagine that. <laughs> I can definitely imagine that. All right. Now we've got the one. Yes. See, I'm interested in this. Mexican lagers. Which and now everyone's on the on their everyone's gonna start yelling at their MP3 player like, wait a second. Y'all already fucking We did already Mexican did Mexican lagers. Well, we were okay. actually wrong. We were wrong. We did not realize at the time that Mexican lagers was not an officially recognized style. Well, you know what, man? The thing is is that this is new data. So this just means that we have to go through and do our, our beer experiment again, basically. Well what this actually means is that Mexican lagers are getting popular enough that they're going to warrant their own style. Well, amen. But like, okay, read the description because I'm interested. Like, what what sets it apart from a Dos Equis or a Coors or which are? Yeah. I guess you can consider German or Czech lagers. They're officially classified as American adjunct lagers. Um, okay. <laughs> which is, but you very are right, odd, Zach. But, you Dos Equis came from the Germans. It, it did. did. It did. Yeah. It did. Um. So, Mexican lager is now defined as a dry, refreshing lager that usually incorporates corn, noble-type hops, and always uses Mexican yeast. Um, the range of the style is wide in terms of bitterness, hops, and malt flavor, but is modeled around craft versions like Ska's Mexican lager, spelled L-O-G-G-R, not L-A-G-E-R. Like the guy with the axe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not mass-produced industrial examples. So rather than being based around like what we know as a Corona or a Dos Equis or something like that, it's more focused on some of the craft examples. You know, and the thing is, is that anytime you ever hear about a Hacienda or a any kind of really food or a business in Mexico, anytime I ever think about that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, I, I would assume that they would be, that would be the true definition of a craft brewery because uh like whenever you go out over to say like even like uh the caribbean or something like that and you try some of the local breweries out there like they're they're small breweries they don't plan on becoming big they don't oh geez flash flood warning in this area oh sorry everybody (laughs) but i mean the thing is is that that's that is what i think whenever i think of a true craft brewery not just you know i mean don't get it don't get me wrong we 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 make our own craft brew you know here in house but you know we are drinking the craft of the craft beers (laughs) right now they are brewers that don't ever plan or will probably never be big they don't really have necessarily super high aspirations they make beer for the masses but the masses will probably never move them you know necessarily to they make beer for the masses but the masses just don't understand man it's all conspiracy no man i just think <laughs> that they will never sight, get there man no i mean what gets me about this though is how it specifically states that it is uh using yeast in mexico yeah it's mexican like mexican yeast, yeast which I would have never even considered, or like I would have never even thought, oh yeah, Dos Equis probably doesn't use Mexican yeast. So. I honestly am kind of interested to to hear that, and even with the idea of the hops, because it says that they use basically whatever, which sounds about right, considering that you're talking about an area that isn't necessarily ideal for growing. I mean, their main thing that they are growing out there is, you know, more tropical-based um exports you know you got the avocado and stuff like that you have like asparagus which is a huge crop See, out like, there and how long before we get like an agave infused uh beer or something like that it, there's probably already one out there the problem is, is that agave takes so long to grow in the fruit oh, yeah. so it takes like what like 12 years or something like that yeah well, yeah on, on the note about mexican yeast it's probably pretty likely still that you know dos Equis and them are probably using mexican yeast we used mexican yeast in the mexican lager that we made right so you did make a real mexican yeah lager. technically yeah. it was with the corn and everything that yep. we used with it there's a large large amount of corn um mexican yeast it was made how a mexican lager was supposed to be made there you go. And it had a very different taste than what you would expect from whenever we did our podcast of... Um, I wasn't there of, uh, uh, we, we did the Dos Equis. We did corona. a uh, Corona. We did... No, we didn't do Corona. You we did, did Tecate. Tecate, yes. And then we... 
And then we did also um, Nito Bandito. Nito Bandito, which is an American Deep Ellum brewery, which uh, definitely was good, but it it had a very different flavor from what the what you would usually consider a Mexican lager to be, and especially different from what we had created that day. So, for sure. All right, what is our final new one? Our final new style is a Katharina sour um which is a local brazilian style interesting uh this light and sour fruit beer exhibits clean lactic sourness not funk or acetic vinegar notes uh strong and immediately noticeable fresh fruit character often tropical low bitterness light body high carbonation and incorporates wheat in roughly equal proportions uh to barley with a abv of four to five and a half percent katharina sour is like a stronger version of, of a berliner weiss not as sour as a lambic or a goose Hmm. Excuse me. Uh, refreshing and typically kettle soured, followed by a clean ale yeast fermentation. This sounds really interesting. I'd like to try one of these. Yeah, I don't. I'd like to try one, but it almost sounds like it's going to be, I don't know, like a fruity, soury kind of beer or something like that. Well, like that's strong. That's how a lot of sours are. They are. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm always open to try it. I would definitely be down to try it. I mean, that's my that's my my preferred strong beer. I mean, over IPAs and stouts. I like my sours. <laughs> cool. That was some interesting uh, new additions, though. I'm definitely surprised to hear about the Mexican lager. I think that yep, was the that one was that a little bit surprising. All of us here on the cast, whenever we heard about it, it was egg on our face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even necessarily an egg <laughs> on our face. I mean, the other thing too is that we don't know if Nito Bandito made it. I mean. Technically, I mean, to uh, specifications that were set forth. Well, I'm curious as to what that's actually classified <clears throat> as. So let me take a look at that right quick here. Because the the style of the Mexican lager is inherited from the Germans and the Czech. So Nito Bandito is classified as an American light lager. Gotcha. Uh, there you go. But, I mean, generally speaking, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, it is an inherited style. Um, from the Europeans, mm-hmm. you know, mainly the Germans. The Germans have a large influence over there. There's quite a few surprisingly German communities in Mexico that are actually like these Amish people that like make cheese and stuff. It's 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 weird. It's yeah, because like I imagine if it's not like following our modern style guidelines, if it's not an American lager, they're going to be classified as like a Czech light lager or something. Right, mm. right. And that was that was one of the things that I I definitely find interesting because. Uh, Joseph, who's going to be here with us tonight, he's he's a little bit under the weather. Joseph says that Bort was just ahead of the curve on Mexican loggers. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what it was, Joseph. That's exactly what it was. Um, well, in related beer news, uh-huh. I don't know if I told you guys, but the Browns, who were the most losingest football oh, team, finally won a game. They won a game yesterday, yeah. and after you, twenty-one months of straight so losses, it was like six hundred mm. or six hundred and thirty-five days. I think yeah. I know where you're going with this. But to preface all that, Bud Light had put out <laughs> like ten of these cooler or like I don't know refrigerators that was see-through glass, so yeah. you could see into it. With just full of Bud Light, and it was when the Browns win their first regular season game, it would remotely unlock, and it would be free Bud Light for everyone at those bars. Yeah, so those bars have been cursed with a large supply of Bud Light. Oh. But yeah, it's like, had they done that last season, it would have been like so skunked, but you know, they won <laughs> within the first three weeks. And so, yeah, it was cool seeing some of the videos. Like, it's literally like a chain around it, and it was like within... 30 seconds of them winning it just like pops and the chain just falls down they open it up and they're like handing it out it's like they had won the super bowl man like, <laughs> <laughs> you know great. even if it's even if it is bud light it's, it's still, still free beer. but it's yeah, yeah it's still, it's still it's, free beer and i don't know it's pretty Who, funny whoever came up with that at bud light they're, they're geniuses that's like <laughs> yeah, it's good marketing you yeah gotta say really, their marketing team is on point yeah <laughs> except I mean, for when they were like turn a no into a yes <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I just have to throw that in because that was, I don't know, that was just kind of a neat marketing thing I, of recent. It was nice, man. It was definitely a nice little thing to see. And I, I mean, congrats for them. Yeah, you know what I've been forgetting about is that it's it's football season again. It is. I haven't season. been able to get back into it really yet. 
Yeah. Did we want to do yeah, sure. wedding stuff? So, yeah. Um, another big development here for us at the table is uh, hey, bud. Our, our boy Scott right here uh, just got married. God, how long has it been now? One week. One week. Was that really a week ago? Yeah. Oh, last shit. It feels Friday. like it should be longer. I feel like it's been about two. I, I time just just <laughs> is, is a blur. To can't me. keep up anymore. But uh, yeah, so congratulations to Scott. You know, Thank congratulations you. Scott. taking that big step. So. I guess sort of as we alluded to for my bachelor party, we went to a distillery. We did Acre Distillery Acre in Distillery. Fort Worth. Yeah. Fort Worth. Yeah, we had. So I guess they had vodka, gin, a bourbon, and a whiskey. Well, they had two gin, right? Well. They had a regular vodka and a tea vodka, uh-huh. and then they had a gin, and then they had the single malt whiskey and a bourbon whiskey, which I'm sorry to say, in my opinion, were not very good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, then they had they had a peach flavored whiskey. Yeah, it yeah. was a peach flavored, and then there was also a peach flavored vodka. vodka. They also did a blended whiskey, which we all kind of uh, were like, ah. well, that was the bourbon. And that, that was, was that was oh, yeah, that bad. was what was crazy is that like usually that was what was crazy to me like is like when you do when you do bourbon it's supposed to just be straight from that barrel you're not supposed to blend right. bourbon and even if they were blending it from the same batch of bourbon that's like a big no no. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, though, Acre was a cool place to go see. Uh-huh. We always appreciate getting to see distilleries, oh, yeah, yeah. and we've we've been to uh, another distillery more recently that we talked to previously on the cast, um, Whiskey Hollow, Whiskey Hollow, just north of Sanger, where we record at. Um, here in the state of Texas, where we got to meet a real life, I, I would consider him <laughs> a uh, distillery uh, or a brewer. Hillbilly. Moonshiner. Moonshiner yeah. hillbilly. Yeah, he was He was the definition of it. And Being very you know, open that he was most likely the product of incest. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting. It was, it was a very interesting way to open up the tour, but um. <laughs> small town Texas man. You know, the thing is, is that it's it was it was really interesting to hear a lot of the things that he brought up. One of the things that he taught us was you know the traits of a good whiskey, where you know it starts from the top and it warms your soul. The, the first, yeah, the first sip is supposed to burn um, in your mouth. Um, there was a second. If Bobby Bobby has it memorized, but Bobby's <laughs> not here tonight. It's but, it's it's an interesting thing. If it burns in your soul, then it's good. If it if it hurts well, your gut, yeah. then it's it's rot. So when you when you swallow it and it goes down, if it goes straight down to your gut, that's called gut rot whiskey and is bad. Uh-huh. Um, good whiskey is supposed to stop right in the middle of your chest and spread out to your to like where your lungs basically are and like uh-huh. warm your soul is what he said mm. and when we when we tried his bourbon that's exactly what happened it, wow. it warmed your soul it was interesting to see him be able to describe it to that extent he was definitely an expert on it and the thing is, is that acre is a place that is opening up because of the new more lax liquor laws and they're not trying to necessarily supply the best out there they're trying to supply as much as possible well, see, and provide I, a good place to drink what i found like interesting um, was that they had so many different types of alcohol? They were trying to make themselves into a uh, into a bar pub kind of thing. Because the other thing to keep in mind, if you if any, if any of our listeners go and check it out or are familiar with the area, it has a really good um, like I, I it, or not. I can't say if it was good or not. It smelled good, but it had a <laughs> restaurant inside that was making pizza and other like little foods and stuff like uh-huh. that. Also, and, a little espresso bar, which that was good. Yeah, their coffee was really good, too. They had good baristas on staff. Their bar and their baristas were both really good. And mm-hmm. really, I think kind of the thing to take away from that was they were a bar first that served liquors second, is is kind of how I think of it whenever we were there. Yeah. Because I mean, all, all honesty, the, the drinks were, were perfect. I mean, uh-huh. it's just the tequila and the whiskey and the you know what the gin was actually halfway decent i, I mean, like that i thought the gin was pretty like good. i said the gin had a good flavor but i i explained why <laughs> i did not like the smell of the gin um but then yeah after that we, we went, went over to, to flying, flying saucer. saucer that was fun one of our favorites we definitely go there any chance that we get yeah. one for in town uh we like to try all the latest beers going on and we had uh a very very wide variety everything from uh what is it? Uh, the the Martin House uh, True Love. Well, you know, that so was on Brad the got the, the the ghost flight. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So like, I, I think what they do is like Texas they have these. Beers. Yeah, they have these 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 ghost flights where it's like four beers that they won't tell you what they are. They're just identified by a number, and it's beers that they're considering. I think putting in as part of their normal rotation. Right. 
And so you can either just order the beer individually or order the flight of all four beers, which is what I did. And then they gave me an Android tablet. Um, which we promptly hacked. Yeah. <laughs> we, we figured out how to get to the home screen on that. I took a picture of my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, you rate each beer like out of five on there, and I think the, the top-scoring beers are like what gets put into the rotation. So that was like a pretty fun experience. Um, I don't... Oh, that, that was, it's Evie knocking it's Evie. on the door. I was like, what the... Who um, is it? Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. So like, they didn't tell you anything about the beers, like not not a style or anything like that. I did figure out. I think one of them was an IPA. One was a sour. Oh yeah, this must have been good for you. Like yeah, because uh, like you know, like I'm studying for like you know this kind of stuff. I can't remember what the other ones were, but um, I think I was at least close to guessing the style on you know most. Well, one of them. one of them was a sour, definitely. Right, right. It was yeah, without a doubt, a sour, and it was good. Um. Yeah, and then so yeah, that I guess sort of concludes the bachelor party, and then day of uh-huh. uh, once again we went whoa, back to whoa whoa whoa. I did something wrong. I messed up all of the uh, the system. Oh no, no, it's good. <laughs> My phone apparently has the ability to knock out your uh, your recording uh, setup here. Oh, did you like lose your audio? Well, yeah, I lo- I couldn't hear myself for a sec. Um, <laughs> We went back to Flying Saucer. Oh, uh, yeah, on the day of the wedding. Oh, yeah. We hung out there. Yeah. Have, had some more beers. I had another flight. Like, we <laughs> we uh, introduced my dad to more, some more crafty-ish beers. Mm-hmm. Your dad was hilarious after you left, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was. And then uh, we went to the wedding, and we all stood around, got dressed, yeah. learned how to walk to the place we needed to walk to, and then... You got told in the most polite way possible to get the get F the out of the building. Fuck out of the building. I got ejected from a wedding. <laughs> funny as hell. Um, I, yeah, that that lady was like just like the stereotypical... Like, they call it Southern Belle yeah, hospitality. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, she was super nice, but like she was definitely telling us to get the fuck out. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an art whenever you can sit there and tell somebody that they're, you know, fucking stupid without making them feel like a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, for me, like it all went pretty fast. Like we were talking or like we, you know, we did the ceremony, we got our food, we took we took pictures with the double rainbow that was outside. Oh yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, and then we did like the dance and all this stuff. Uh, yeah, I just want to kind of get your guys' perspective of it. Because we ended up with no food. We ended up with 12 beers. Uh, a little bit less than 12 wine. We ended up... Bottles of wine. Bobby and I ended up knowing your uh, your servers at the, oh, really? at the party. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> From Capel. Uh, they they went to school to Capel, and then they were friends with Trevor, which is how I knew him. Uh-huh. And actually, I thought it was kinda, that was kind of funny right there. Uh, just kind of small world, even though Texas is big as hell. <laughs> um, and then you have, uh, you know, the uh, getting to see Grandma Moo. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. I was sitting outside waiting for Carla to pull up, and I just like... I heard her talking. I heard somebody mention TWU, and my head whipped around so fast, dude. And I was like, that's Grandma Moo. <laughs> and then, uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, no, during the thing, got to say hi to her and your uh, your grandpa, too, which was really cool and stuff. And it was really interesting. Oh, yeah. um, Scott's, uh, Scott's brother got to play the uh, the opening for uh, the first dance, and mm-hmm. it was um, Dearly Beloved by... Um, oh, Kingdom Hearts. It was a Kingdom Hearts theme, just yeah. in general, which was which was really really cool. It was beautifully renditioned by him, and he was he was all like nervous afterwards, like, "Oh man, I fucked that up." And I was like, "No, dude, you did great. What are you talking about?" I'm like, "I don't think that there's any." And me and Joseph were over there too. We were like, "You know, I don't think that there's any more of a of a of a more intense stage to play on than your own brother's wedding. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, even more so than playing, you know, at at the Super Bowl or some shit like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just got some serious weight that handles onto it, and that was that was all really cool. Everything was beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, that that venue is really crazy too yeah. out there in Weatherford. That was uh-huh. it looked exactly like Hill Country. Like whenever yeah. we were driving out, whenever we drive down to Austin, like that's. Mm. That looked exactly like it, which I thought was weird for yeah, me. I mean, there are definitely places I can think of in Austin that have kind of that same view. Maybe not as much. Uh, more like, like Georgetown. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to kind or, of go on the outskirts to kind of see that more like farm, farmy yeah. area. But there are definitely parts of like where Nathaniel lives right now. It's like you look out his back window and it's 
like it basically looks like there's a mountain behind him. Like it's the true hill country where it's like, like getting into his place, you got to go up a goddamn hill and down a hill and up a hill again. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Hey, I like that man. Topography is nice. What do you think, Brad? Overall, it was like yeah, it was great. Uh, we had a whole. A whole I hope lot you guys fun. all had fun. Oh yeah, we for had, me we... it was just like. Oh yeah, going like, and talking to people and dude, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Like I remember. No, that's the thing. I don't. I don't remember my wedding, <laughs> and it's not because like you know I got trashed or anything like that. It's just, like there was so much going on. Like you know, it's, bro. It's, I don't even remember your wedding. <laughs> it's just like a one after another thing. Like you know, like it's like okay, we got I in there. We, we, Scott we sat sliding down. across the floor. Like here's the thing. Here's the thing. We had an awesome caterer that ensured that like the first thing he did before anybody got served is he brought two plates of food to, to me and Kara. Yeah. See, that's what that's what the lady that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah she got our food right at the very beginning. Yeah, and like so he brought that to us and like we sat down and like I was like one bite into my delicious ass brisket and I already had family coming up and, like you know to come talk to us and things like that. But like you know it like that. Res- like just the entire thing, you can't really like sit there for a second to like you know take anything in. Yeah, it's you know just completely going the entire time. Well, see, and like what I felt so bad about was I wasn't even hungry by the time I got my plate of food. Oh, really? So I'm like <laughs> eating. I'm like, oh, this is like so such good fajitas, and like I'm just not hungry to really <laughs> eat it. Yeah. Like I mean. God, I, because I've had their fajitas quite a few times, and that was probably like the best version of their fajitas. Right. Who is it? It's called Arizona's. They're in like White Settlement, I think. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I really it was liked. delicious when we had it. I mean, yeah. yeah, man, it was it was a beautiful wedding, beautiful venue. Uh, I was very happy to be a part of it up there. You know, what was the beer? To your guys is like the beer was good yeah bro we had we had gotten that 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 tequila and uh, the whiskey in there and man i gotta i gotta give a shout out to those bartender ladies you know she they were like yeah no we got you don't worry. <laughs> yeah you got sure an ice cube in there you're fine <laughs> they, yeah they made sure it was only served out to you know the the, the right people well, see that was the thing and that uh, was i could have supplied alcohol but then it was just hey, like ben too says hard. was period great wedding was a great wedding like like i think he's saying it, it, it was a great wedding oh ben ramsey yeah yeah oh thanks ben yeah we're gonna come down and visit you throw a party <laughs> at your house or he can come up and visit us oh yeah we, we get him on the cast yeah dude i wanna i wanna uh uh uh, uh my boy my boy uh uh uh, uh God, the professor. professor i want the professor to come up here yeah, actually <laughs> colin's I, cool he just oh colin yes i just saw him on facebook today and i was like Damn it! As soon as I get it close to the thing, it just like cuts it off. I was like, man, I can see exactly why y'all have the same fucking humor, sense of humor, dude. Uh, like it's, Colin a, and it's I? a same dry. Oh, it's like drier than he a and I desert. have known each other since since like uh, kindergarten, basically. Because I think <coughs> we had classes right across from each other, mm-hmm. but I feel like maybe we went to the same. We definitely went to after school care together, but I feel like maybe we did our like extracurricular, like our music, art, and um, PE together or something like that. But anyways, yeah, I've known him since elementary, and yeah, we he plays a ton of games, and yeah, nice. He's awesome. I could tell anytime I talked to him, man, it was it was that was enjoyable right there plus, for sure. Plus, he's like a straight A student, and he he really knows his shit whenever you. Go into a subject that he knows. Well, oh, good. for sure. Yeah, he's a teacher. I, I'm, I'm sure he <laughs> knows everything about anything. Yeah, man. It was a great wedding. It was, uh, was happy to see you, you know, mm-hmm. get get married. Happy to be a part of it. I like the cake toppers. It was great. Oh, yeah. yeah the Mario the and the cool. Peach. That yeah. was pretty dope. Yeah, we, got, we lucked out that uh, at the Amiibo for uh, uh, Super Mario Odyssey was wedding base. So yeah, there I thought you go. it would be cool to Perfect. get it. Get I thought that it was for our cake toppers. Funny. I thought as soon as you got home, it was like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to go ahead and put yeah. these in it. <laughs> and save it no, for I, Smash Bros. I got those so long ago, and I'm like, I really want to use it with Super Mario Odyssey. And I haven't had a chance till finally, after the wedding, I got to use it. <laughs> I called it, too. I called that shit. I was, I was like, he's going to play with those as soon as he gets home. Before doing anything else. Before doing anything else. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's go ahead. And start wrapping up a little bit. Um, I want to hear what you guys thought about my <clears throat> beer. Just as a reminder to our listeners, this is my home brewed 
um, IPA, the Angry Bear Smash IPA. And also as a reminder, if you guys ever want to hear our, our, our take on a lot of these beers, we get to try a lot of really cool, neat, and interesting beers and to see how they compare to some of the beers that you find in the store or at some of your specialty craft shops. We will be scoring or uh, hosting these sheets online on our website at uh, beersoftheroundtable.com. Is that that is right? correct. Yeah, beersoftheroundtable.com. Nope. Yeah, that's right. Um, using the official <laughs> score sheets. I didn't really think about it there for a second. <laughs> used by uh, the AHA and BJCP sanctioned competition program. You can find this online too. It's the official way of rating your beers. So feel free to look those up if you ever have any questions about any kind of beer. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of apps out there, but you can always trust your boys on those beer ratings. Exactly. Um, I will go first, man. Right, um, don't hold back. Aroma, 12 out of 12, hoppy. It was perfect on that side. I wasn't looking for something super overpowering. It didn't make my nose hairs burn out. I was happy about that. You know I like light beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I will say, <clears throat> as a preface, this was a light IPA, and I like that. Um, so appearance was clear and yellowish, basically what I kind of expect uh, out of a uh, IPA. Three out of three, kept it pretty simple there. Flavor, 19 out of 20. It was hoppy, citrusy, and grassy. Mainly to take from that was the citrusy and grassy flavor. It was a light flavor, but it was not lacking on flavor overall. Um, as for mouthfeel, that is where I gave you a three out of five, maybe even a two out of five. I felt that it wasn't carbonated enough. I felt like it was a little light on the carbonation. I don't know if you force carbonated it or if you I did. Okay. And that's a little bit hard to control that way. I, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. So that was the only, uh, gripe that I had about it. Um, so overall, my overall impression, I would say a solid 8.5. I, let's keep it whole numbers. I'll give you an eight out of 10. Um, it's not my favorite style. But out of an IPA, it's definitely one of my top favorites. Um, I would just say maybe next time try to do a little bit more carbonation on the uh, beer itself. I feel like that that kind of sharp flavor or sharp texture from drinking a carbonated drink kind of brings out certain uh, more intense flavors such as citrusy flavors or, um, you know, the grassy hoppy flavors in general. Um, or, you know, the sour flavors that you find in like a sour beer. And I think that this is one of those beers that definitely deserves to be well carbonated. Um, what was the total out of 50? I, I can't do the math all that well <laughs> here. Uh, go ahead and go Scott and then I'll come back after you. All right. Okay. Um, I really like this beer a lot. Thank you. Uh, I put in my overall comments, it's a good balance between light and hoppy and it's good to show to those who don't typically drink a craft beer yes um so i gave you a 10 out of 10 in that area well, in overall you. impressions um for aroma i said it was a hint of hoppy and orange citrusness uh 12 out of 12 appearance i put gold um good head and a little hazy and i put three out of three uh for flavor i gave you an 18 out of 12 or 20 God. 18 <laughs> out of 20 and i said um it's citrus hoppy uh uh lightness that uh can't oh wait, hang on uh, uh oh okay um a lightness paired with a crisp full flavor that um can make you want to try more macro brews so it's like more macro brews or no that makes you not want to continue to drink macro brews. Okay. So I'm saying like <laughs> this is like the, the, it's the it's this will pull you away from macro. It's the light, but then the, like the crisp fullness flavor that like you're like wow this is like if I compared it to something else that was also light, you're like wow this has so much more flavor than that. I was just okay, trying to yeah. say it very eloquently. I, I got guess. you. I got you. Uh, mouthfeel. I thought it had perfect carbonation because <laughs> I was getting like the little bubbles on my lip. And it may have just been the difference between our pores, Zach, because mine had a lot more head than yours. Had. And it could be. And, and I'll tell you, part of it is that I poured his first and then yours. And because that garage is so damn hot, his came out foamier. Okay. Well, I mean, either way, I've got a Montucky in front of me as a palate cleanser, and I'm going to say it's not as carbonated as I would have liked. So I ended up, I, I'm not going easy on you. <laughs> I ended up giving you a 48 out of 50, so a 9.6. So world class. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. A- I really like. I'm like. I I truly believe like if you were someone who only drinks macro breweries, like this is something that could get you into craft brew. We and and you can't really. The thing I mean, is, it's is hard that, to judge your friend's stuff, but like I course, really yeah. do think because 
I've never had a truly bad beer that has came out of the batches that we've brewed in-house in regards to anything that you've brewed or anything that we've brewed together. And I think it goes to show that we, I mean, we, we only focus on that one brew. It's not like we're brewing a bunch of different things at once so we can put all of our focus and care on that one single thing. So I, I think that kind of plays an effect why the quality is as good as it is a lot of times. We'll see, and it's like... It's like a little goes a long way in this because you said it's only one... One malt and one hop. Right. It's as simple as a recipe as you can get. Right. And so, you know, it's like... It's like... Uh, it's like Keep it a simple, biscuit, stupid. strawberry, and whipped cream. Like, super simple. Three ingredients, but it makes a really good treat. And so it's the same thing here where you're using these three flavors, but... Because you're just using those three flavors, you re- like the palate in your mouth just really expands upon it, and you can taste all of it, and it's it's good. Yeah, but it's still very light, in my opinion. It's the same kind of strategy that you take in like a in an entree, like a fine entree. I mean, a steak you're never supposed to season a steak. It should be just right. the the flavoring of whatever you cook the steak in, and maybe a little bit of salt and pepper, and then that's it. You don't season that salt, shit. pepper, butter. There yep, you go. Exactly. Simple is better. Uh, just to follow up, uh, total score on this one for me was 45 out of 50. All right. Cool. Um, so I didn't write down any comments because I was really distracted this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but I did write down my scores. Um, so Aroma, I gave a 10 out of 12. Um, so if y'all had had this like probably like two weeks earlier, mm-hmm. it'd probably have a little bit more of the hop nose. That um, uh, I can only breathe through one nostril. So honestly, Aroma <laughs> is always like weird for me. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. um, like uh, I, I did what's called uh, dry hopping. Y'all know it. Yeah, I yes. think we've talked about it before, but remind our listeners. So, so dry hopping is when you take hops and put it into the um, the fermenter. Uh, you know, because like normally when you're dealing when you're putting hops into the beer, you only put it into the boil. Uh, but with dry hops, you put it in during fermentation. So, you know, I dry hopped this one, and dry hopping like mainly contributes aroma to the beer. And that is like the first aroma to go um, as the beer starts to age. Okay. So two weeks ago, I feel like there was a much fresher hop aroma to it. Um, But uh, there was still like a good enough uh, aroma there. So I gave it a kind of a 10 out of 12 here. Um, Appearance, two out of three, uh, just because as far as the style goes, it's supposed to be clear. Um, And in my opinion, it was a little bit hazy. Uh, Flavor, 15... Is there cat bowls? Uh, Fifteen out of twenty for the for the flavor. Cat's hungry. <laughs> um, it, it it tasted pretty good. I don't really know what I feel like it was lacking, but just I mean, well, if you don't feel like it was lacking anything, it means it was a twenty out. Of you 20. are your just, own hardest stretch. Of course, man. I mean, just just like you know, I, I just feel like uh, it's not the best thing I think I've ever had. Uh, mouthfeel, um, uh, again, contrary to Zach, I feel like, um, you know, there's there at, at least a decent amount of carbonation in there. So I give uh-huh. it a four out of five. Do it more next time, Brad. <laughs> I don't know. I think I had, I definitely had the highest head out of any of us. Right. So like yeah. for me, it was like perfectly carbonated. Yeah. <laughs> um, overall eight out of 10, um, which like, um, this, this beer was the first beer that I've brewed since April. Uh-huh. Uh, and also the first recipe that I've drafted in a long time i think um, that we really need to go ahead and revisit for the next thing take a break on beer and do mead already mead uh, game of thrones <laughs> man every commercial mead i've had has been terrible i know that's what i mean we got to get back over to mead that'll be our next thing we'll take a break you know it's like rocket league for me for me i i play a lot of rocket league and you know what i take a break and I come back and i'm that much better i think if we make some mead it'll come back and make mead. yeah so i mean basically what i'm getting at there is that i was happy with my first <laughs> dive back into brewing in a long time second one not so much we're not going to talk about that i had a second beer that we were supposed to drink today but um after sampling it Uh this week it was horrible Mm. i don't really know what happened there but we're not going to talk about that um (laughs) so my overall score was a 39 out of 50 um definitely the lowest of the three but you know again your your own hardest critic uh so yeah unless anybody's got anything else we can go ahead and wrap this up I have nothing, man. Honestly, the only other thing that I wanted to say, and I know we probably shouldn't go this direction, was I just wanted to say that tonight was the debate for Beto O'Rourke here in Texas and Ted Cruz. I don't care what side you say. I've just this has just been a, a debate long in the making, 
and I'm ready to see the recap of it because we didn't get to watch it tonight because we were doing the cast. And yeah. I just want to see if they spoke Spanish because I just don't believe that. <laughs> I, I just think that'd probably be the best thing. It's just like them like just going at it in Spanish I, with each other. I would like to hope that would be like the arguments in the telenovelas. <laughs> just anytime they start like mudslinging, it's just in Spanish. <laughs> like anytime they go off script, it's just in Spanish at each other. I would I would absolutely <laughs> love to hear that. And that's that's if you guys haven't kept up with it, pay attention uh you know we try to not focus on politics but please keep in mind that the elections are in the next i want to say it's three weeks yeah just go out and vote i mean i'm not going to tell you who to vote for just go vote just go vote go vote yeah all right uh so anyway thanks for joining us this week uh having some angry bear craft beer um yeah talking about some beer it's fun. Uh, go check us out, beersaroundtable.com. Basically, anywhere that you can possibly find a podcast, uh, we're probably going to be on it. Uh, join us next time. Oh, I know for a fact now that coming up soon, uh, I believe, correct uh, me if what, I'm What, week, what Friday it, is it? Is it October 5th or 6th? 5th. It's the 5th. 5th. October 5th, we are planning to podcast live from... I'm I'm anticipating that this podcast is going to be out before we do this. I'm going to do it this weekend, so it should be out Monday. Okay, so <laughs> October 5th, uh, we're going to be at Midway Craft House in Denton, Texas, and do a live podcast from that location. So uh, be sure to either go out that night or you know catch it at on Facebook or you know just listen to it when it's out. Also, I uh, just want to also bring up uh, soon after that we will be doing a cast as well from Armadillo Ale Works. We have. Just got to get um, a date confirmed for that. Yeah, we are good to go on that side. All right. though. So we will be checking out our local Denton Brewery as well as, yeah. as, well as our favorite tap-filling bar to yeah. go check out in town. Yeah, our favorite uh, growler bar. Growler bar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, be sure to crack a cold one with uh, your boys. Let me stay like there's nothing to lose, but I'm not